look consulting is not an easy thing right it's it takes a lot of effort it takes a it's not a easy job uh, it takes a lot of fortitude a lot of um, uh, resilience to essentially power through right and if you do not have that fire in the belly then uh, you'll you'll basically just burn out Hi everyone thanks for tuning in to product and wine in this episode we have a very special guest with us let's welcome aditya a business leader with over 15 years of experience in consumer tech fmcg and retail he graduated top of his class from iit bhu in 2008 and spent 10 years with consumer goods giant hindustan unilever limited with multiple stints in the global parent unilever across four continents he then moved to the very coveted boston consulting group for 3 years where he advised clients on consumer goods and retail businesses in southeast asia Current Currently, he works with a tech startup called Circles. Life, based in Singapore, where he heads the new businesses launching new products globally. This episode is for aspiring consultants who want to decode the maze. In this podcast, Aditya Crack opens the secret of career in management consulting. Here is on how to master case interviews, navigate challenges, and build crucial relationships, and find a work-life balance. Join us as we navigate the ladder in the world of consulting. Hi everyone thanks for tuning into product and wine in this episode we have a very special guest with us hi aditya welcome to product and wine yeah it's saturday man pretty good uh, yeah, i think the, the weather is quite bright here in singapore so it's all good uh, i'm glad to be here and uh, looking forward to our chat today yeah that's wonderful so uh, if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there Sure, absolutely. So it's been 15 years since I've entered uh, corporate life. I graduated from uh, IIT BHU uh, way back in 2008, the year of financial crisis. And after that, it's been 15 years. I spent about first 10 years at HUL and Unilever, uh, eventually uh, across four continents and four different functions. And uh, I after. Uh, Uh, Unilever I moved to Boston Consulting Group BCG uh, I was there for 3 years I did consumer goods and retail and after that uh, I joined a tech startup uh, based here in Singapore uh, it's called Circles Life uh, today uh, in in Circles Life I I uh, lead a new business division uh, wherein we have like essentially two separate uh, subdivisions one is innovation uh, so we innovate on a lot of different new products and then uh, second is a scale up which is where we have a product called Jetpack which we have just scaled up globally and uh, now it's available to to everybody uh, over 100 countries uh, all over the globe so and uh, on a personal front i've got a married i've got a i've got a kid 4 year old and i think um, he keeps me busy for the time that i'm not working so let's get into our episode navigating the ladder mastering a career in management consulting uh, so aditya uh, can you tell us uh, about your journey into management consulting and what motivated you to pursue a career in this field Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a it's a question I'm asked quite quite often that after ten years at Unilever and uh, you know, why did you switch to uh, consulting? I think uh, for me, consulting uh, essentially uh, three things stand out about consulting, right? And I'll talk about it in in a, in a bit. I always felt that uh, whenever I had I had I used to deal with consultants, I always always felt that uh, they were much more structured. Uh, and uh, they have a they have a uh, clear way of uh, problem solving and uh, the way they used to communicate to senior stakeholders i always used to really uh, like that uh, that approach <clears throat> and i always felt that there is some kind of a secret sauce here uh, how can how can all the consultants be uh, so organized uh, so well articulated 
Uh, so I always used to uh, wonder about that. And uh, when I was in in UK, uh, and I was in, I went to UK in 2015. Uh, uh, I got a, I got an expat assignment in UK from Unilever. And um, at that time, uh, a headhunter approached me on behalf of uh, Boston Consulting Group and uh, basically offering me a position in uh, in BCG London office. So that's when I, I I got really got thinking like, okay, this is this something very very interesting or not? And that's when I did my research and all to really understand. And I think as I as I as I said, there are three specific things that stand out about consulting. I think the first one is structured problem solving. The second one is uh, their strategic communication, and the third one is their uh, critical uh, critical thinking, critical and strategic thinking. Let's call it that. So, so these are the three things which which really really uh, stands out, uh, uh, or rather stood out at that time, and that's how I decided to to basically go for consulting. And uh, I'm happy to talk about the interview process if you want, but uh, yeah, that's what basically got me really excited about consulting. I thought that's a skill set that uh, that can that can help and will help each and every uh, professional in their career. So, what are the most critical skills for the success in management consulting, and how one can develop them? So, I think uh, I'll talk about how some of the consulting companies actually look at the performance of individuals, right? So, I think the first one is really our uh, consultants' ability to to problem solve and, and generate insights, right? So, this is uh, the most important skill, specifically at a uh, until unless like you become like a like a uh, like associate partner at a partner level problem solving is really uh, the most most important thing and it's kind of considered the holy grail a consultant is expected to basically address any problem in a very structured way which is the structured problem solving and, uh, and there are many books people can refer in or i'm sure there is a lot of material on the on the net uh, which people can refer to essentially uh, it's the ability to break down the problem into smaller components being able to uh, understand uh, like what this individual component uh, or uh, component would mean have very clear hypothesis on uh, what is uh, on on what 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 may be driving that particular problem and then attacking that in a very very structured way. So I think that's the most important skill that's required for a consultant to be successful in this role. The second sub part to this is insight generation. I think uh, insight I feel is the one of the most abused term when everybody puts up a deck and says uh, insights. Insight acts actually has to answer uh, the level th- three why. So okay, you found a fact saying okay something is happening. Okay, why is this happening? Then okay, then you break it down and again why is this happening? And then you break it down again and why is this happening? And typically the level three why kind of answers the the real why and the insight. And it's always most of the time when you hit an insight, it's a, it's almost a eureka moment, right? So that's the first piece, which is the the whole problem solving. The second piece is like uh, being uh, very, very practical and effective in terms of uh, solving that problem, right? So you can essentially solve a problem, take like forever to solve this problem, have a gold-plated output, but a consultant is expected to move very, very fast, all right? So that's why practicality and effectiveness becomes really, really important where how fast you are able to solve the problem, how practical approach you are taking and not a very theoretical conceptual uh, approach. So that's the second piece. Third piece is the communication, right? So, the, how are you are you able to co- uh, effectively communicate your thoughts, your analysis, your output, your recommendation? How are you able to uh, are you able to communicate or not? And uh, there is something which your which your listeners can look at, which is deductive communication versus inductive communication. So, again. Uh, the the consultants are trained to kind of present to the uh, to the CEOs of the world, right? And and sport, uh, the communication becomes very very important, and that's why they put in so much of effort into training uh, uh, of the consultants, right? So that's a third dimension that's very very important. The fourth dimension is 
client management. Are you able to effectively manage your client? Are you able to cater to their requirements effectively? Are you able to turn it around uh, fast in terms of their request, etc., etc.? So that's the client management piece. And as you grow up in a consulting career, this becomes much, much, and much, much more important um, because obviously uh, you'll be managing clients, very senior level clients uh, on a direct basis. Then uh, there are some other um, uh, elements as well. Obviously, they look at team, uh, whether you are able to gel well in a team, whether are you a team player or not? Are you uh, uh, like a role model for, for for your peer group and for your um, uh, for your juniors, etc., etc.? So there are some of these other factors that I look, but I would say the top four are, as I said, problem solving and the ability to generate insights. Number two, practicality and how uh, effectively you can find uh, solutions. Number three is obviously communication and number four is uh, client handling. Uh, so this leads to my next question. Uh, what key lessons uh, you have learned in management consulting that have been invaluable in your role as a business head? Yeah, so I think I'll go back to the same three, the the three holy grails for me, as I said earlier, I think first is structure problem solving. So I think uh, before I went to um, BCG, I think um, I used to, I was able to solve the problem, but I, I, I did not know how to really st- solve a problem in a very structured way. So while I would get to the answers, but uh, still, I would say that um, uh, I think the structured problem solving makes uh, makes it very easy and effective for you to to find the solution. And in a, even in my current role, whenever I'm stuck, I basically sit down and like break down the problem into smaller chunks, palatable chunks, uh, take a very hypothesis-driven approach, and then uh, validate or invalidate those hypotheses to basically arrive at saying, okay, what is the re- what is really uh, driving this problem and what are the potential solutions? So structured problem solving is really, really helpful. I recommend it to everyone. I think this is a, one of the massive skills that um, that consultants are trained and uh, this is something super, super helpful in your in your day-to-day working. So that's the first piece, which is the structured problem solving. The second piece is the strategic communication. I think strategic, what is strategic communication? I'll give you a very simple example. <laughs> Typically, uh, specifically in the Indian subcontinent context, right? Majority, first people become engineers and then they figure out what what you want to do. In an engineering uh, setup, you are uh, primarily trained with what is called the scientific method of uh, of problem solving or whatever scientific method of approaching something, which is like, okay, this, what you want to do, what is the experiment that you did the experiment, then you basically concluded this, 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 and this is the final result, right? That's typically when a scientific method output is reported, this is how people report it, right? It's now, remember your lab journals, remember anything, uh, you always put the conclusion at the end and say, okay, this is, these are my options. Observation, hence these are my conclusions. In a consulting style setup, you are encouraged to put the conclusion first. So here comes the CEO and you have to basically advise the CEO and you say, this is what we recommend because of this, this and this, right? That's a completely inverted way of communication. Obviously, I'm, I'm simplifying it a bit. Uh, it's not that straightforward, but then you have to get into the habit of talking about the conclusions first and then talk, back it with your uh, analysis and back it with your uh, the the why right, but then the conclusion has to come first. What is the key recommendation? You are uh, you are presenting to senior leadership. You are presenting to the CEOs. You cannot talk talk them through a twenty slide presentation and expect them to uh, wait for the final answer uh, till the time you finish. And you probably take thirty to forty minutes right. And many many times CEOs may not even have that kind of time right. So strategic communication become very very important. And then once the uh, consultants are trained to think think that way, they're they're what is uh, they're always ready with what is called the elevator speech right so as when you go into your your uh, 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 roles again after after you've left consulting you may be able to pitch a client you may be able to pick a partner or an investor like uh, you may not get like more than 
a minute or two minutes, right? So you need to be able to communicate your your uh, key points in a very succinct way and, uh, and uh, in a way that they could uh, they could uh, they they would get it, right? So that's basically your strategic communication, which is a which is a skill I actually picked it up at BCG even after ten years at uh, at Unilever. And the third thing is essentially the the strategic and the critical thinking. And uh, again, this is something which everybody thinks that uh, they already know how to think strategically. Specifically, people who come from B schools actually because they have that's how they have been uh, taught in in B school. They think that they actually know how to think strategically. But unfortunately, it's again another skill that uh, that is uh, taught at consulting company. They actually uh, they're very good at uh, teaching how to how to break down a problem in a way. And then think about it in a strategic way. So, for example, if you go and ask someone to bring uh, to put up a strategy, what most people will bring is essentially a problem statement, and then how to basically solve, how to reach a certain at certain end destination. In reality, in order for you to be able to create a strategy, there are three or four questions you need you need to have. Number one is you need to be very clear on what are we trying to achieve and why. If the if it misses the why. It's not a strategy. If it doesn't have a very clear what, it is not a strategy. Then once you know what, uh, what are you, what are you, uh, what is that you want to achieve? Then you need to know the how, which is okay. You break it down, saying okay, this is my end. Uh, this is the path. With if I go uh, on this path, uh, I will achieve this. Now, in reality, there are always multiple ways to skin a cat, right? So you will have again, there are multiple ways you can reach that end destination, right? The question is, which one should you take? And every strategy should have strategic choices. So then, and hardly you, you hardly see a strategy where you see people actually calling out the strategic choices and say, okay, these are the three strategic choices we have. This is what we recommend, which is strategic choice number one. And here is the why, right? So all these things need to be there. And that's basically what I call the strategic thinking. Uh, many times you would hear uh, people say that, oh, the thinking is very linear. Again, that goes back to because you're not thinking it strategically and that's why you're thinking in a very linear way, right? I think what BCG really taught me was strategic thinking and in, it is very, very helpful in, in my current role in the sense that a business head role is a, is a fairly complicated one, right? So you have you have backend, which is essentially you take care of the cost element and everything, which is like backend contracts, suppliers, this, that, etc. Then you have the front-end business, which is where you're marketing and, and sales and this and that. Then you have operations, which is, okay, how is how are things actually going to happen and, so, and customer service and happiness and delivery and so on and so forth. And then above that, you have the strategy, the strategic planning, the, the budgets and so on and so forth, right? And then at the center of all this, you have people, right? How do you manage people? How do you keep them energized? How do you keep them motivated? So it's a it's a very much a multi sort of multi variable uh, problem and a very complex non-linear problem. You can't solve it in a linear way, right? So you need to know how to think about uh, solving a non-linear problem and the strategic thinking that uh, that you get at uh, at some of these uh, top consulting companies are actually very very helpful in in solving uh, these kind of problems. And there's a reason why, like, there was a re recent report that came out uh, in US where uh, they basically measured uh, that out of the whatever top 500, you know, Fortune 500 or something, uh, CEOs, and then they basically uh, track their lineage. And then uh, McKinsey, BCG, Bain essentially topped the top the the number of uh, CEO percentage uh, in that Fortune 500 or whatever that was, right? And there's a good reason for it. Uh, thank you so much, Aditya. These lessons sound really impactful, uh, especially in the dynamics of world uh, where 
uh, we are leading the business. Coming to the most asked question from our audience, what strategies or tips would you recommend for someone aspiring to join Elite Consulting firms like you mentioned, McKinsey, BCG, Bain? Also, could you explain how one should prepare for the case interviews? Yeah, sure. I think from a strategy point of view, there are uh, there are a few things that the 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 aspirants need to keep in mind. So number one is uh, at what stage you you would like to to join right so if you are if you are an undergrad uh, doing your graduation and if you would like to join um that's actually very very hard right uh, but it's not impossible so that's the first day then then obviously you can go for your b school and after b school you can join and uh, after again if you uh, if you are not able to get to at that point in time and maybe you want to spend some time in industry and kind of pick up a skill set etc and then maybe five six seven eight whatever ten years down the line if you would like to to join then what is the sort of the entry entry path and how to do, how to do that and how to prepare as your questions right so i think number one if you are uh, um, if you're on the Join it just after your graduation. Uh, first, I think you have to be in the top universities, right? So my understanding is that uh, they do hire from the top IITs and some of the uh, other colleges. I think, um, I guess, uh, uh, SRCC and uh, Lady Shiram, etc. So you have to be in the top uh, top tier uh, because that's where these companies recruit. You can always apply offline and, and try all that. Uh, but um, from what I've seen. Most of the time, it's essentially uh, top tier colleges and uh, yeah, even CRI holders I've met. met up. That's the first stage, which is where you just finish your uh, sort of graduation. The next step comes, which is where post-grad and which is where the maximum influx happens, which is just post-MBA, right? So again, uh, if you are uh, in a, if you are an MBA uh, student and looking for to enter, I think, uh, and I'll talk a bit more about it, is that obviously you need to get your uh, hands dirty and, and really, really master structure problem solving. Uh, and I'll talk about what are some of these consulting companies look for. But structured problem solving is super, super, super important. I can't stress the importance of this. Then again, strategic communication. Your communication needs to be concise, precise. Uh, talk about the conclusion first and then like why are you recommending what you're recommending. So these two things are, are very well uh, looked at in the um in the interview process right and the last piece is the is a, is a hunger and a, and a sort of um uh, fire in the belly so to speak because look consulting is not an easy thing right it's it takes a lot of effort it takes uh it's not an easy job uh it takes a lot of fortitude a lot of um uh, resilience to essentially power through right and if you do not have that fire in the belly then uh you'll, you'll basically just burn out so i think these are the three things that uh, consulting companies look and if you would like to prepare for it i think i would suggest that uh, uh some of it you can you can imbibe and some of it obviously it has to come from within so uh, these are the three things now coming to um case preparation i think case preparation um i think there are two things which you need to be like super 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 clear on case preparation i think number one is go uh, go through like a good book and understand what a case case interview is right because sometimes people confuse it with a case study interview and a case interview actually while the name may not make a massive differentiation but case interview is different versus a case study interview and i'll talk about it but case interviews, you need to master case interviews, right? And for that, I would recommend a book called Cosentino, uh, Mark Cosentino's book. Uh, he's, he's basically, if I'm not wrong, he's a, he's an Adcom member in, uh, he's a, either an Adcom member or a placement committee member, placecom member in uh, at Harvard Business School. And uh, that book really, uh, I think they did it for me. Uh, I uh, went through the Cosentino book and after that, I, I felt fairly prepared for the case, case interviews. Number two is practice. Uh, with someone, I think that's very important. 
just practicing is not enough. Practice with someone. So you have to find someone who can actually act as an interviewer and then uh, practice with you. So you need to really practice with someone, not just practice. It's not enough uh, that you sit down with Cosentino or whatever, Victor Chang, etc. And uh, just uh, uh, doing case problems. It's very, very important that you practice it with someone. The reason I stress the importance of it is because how the case study and case interview differs. In a case interview, you are not given the data that you need in order to solve the problem. While in case study interview, they basically give you a sheet and uh, you are essentially go you essentially go through the case study in the very start and then you you are uh, you're going to talk about um, uh, you already know all the data points that that there is in that case study the paper that you are given right. While in a case interview, they just tell you the problem statement like okay, I have uh, my my demand is going uh, my demand is going down by my supply is high and uh, it's a it's a massive uh, cost for cost for the company, how should I optimize my supply chain? That's a problem statement. They're not going to tell you anything else. You need, in a case interview, you need to structure the problem. You, you need to uh, talk to the, tell the interviewer, then how the, how you will solve the problem. And then after that, you have to ask for the right data points. Then and only then they will give it to you. So you need to basically develop this whole temp, uh, test temperament, so to speak, which is by, by practicing with someone, right? Thanks, Aditya. This is definitely something our audience will find valuable. So how does uh, a stint in management consulting uh, impacts one's trajectory uh, in career trajectory, especially in the fields like product management or technology? Good question, Aditya. So first of all, let's let's rewind back in terms of what consulting gives you, right? So the skills that give you, uh, in my view, are obviously structured problem solving. It tells you how to do strategic communication. It tells you, it kind of teaches you how to, uh, how to do, uh, how to think critically, how to think in a very strategic way, right? So that's the, these are the skills that it gives you. Now, these skills are essentially transferable to any any potential job which has some good blend of business and uh, like structured thinking, et cetera, et cetera. So very, very applicable to product, very, very applicable to any kind of a tech job with the only exception of potentially coding by yourself, right? So everything else kind of is there and that's why you see management consultants going into product going into and going into growth going into growth marketing performance marketing i mean potentially any job which kind of requires a good blend of uh, of some of the skills that you've acquired now the other way in which management consulting uh stint uh, helps really and to your point getting into product or tech jobs is essentially network so there was a time 10 years back when the tech industry kind of started uh, picking up uh, substantially but they didn't have very uh, trained tech uh, trained uh, product, product guys and trained growth marketeers, etc., etc. Right? They had the traditional sort of FMCG marketeers and all that, but they didn't have these sort of this trained workforce. And that time, the uh, management consultants used to be the the go-to people, right? And uh, management consultants kind of went into these product roles, etc., etc., because there was a good uh, good mix of structured problem solving, etc., that was required. Now, over the ten years, and then also people started developing these product skills. Uh, there are courses in universities, etc. So that's why there was an availability of trained product guys uh, 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 who ha- didn't have the management consulting background, right? So then obviously today you have product guys who are not even, uh, who don't have a background in management consulting. But then people who entered uh, this space 10 years back were primarily management consulting. So you have access to a massive, massive network. So today, if uh, I'm being a BCG alumni, I have access to a very strong BCG network in which I have access to so many product leaders or so many tech leaders globally. Uh, because 10 years back, the management consulting was essentially a, a talent house for for all these uh, these different kind of roles, right? And hence, uh, this access to this network basically, I can I can reach out to anyone uh, if I am if I'm interested in any kind of a role. There is a there is a definitely a certain amount of respect and um, guard. 
or anyone who comes from like top consulting firms, specifically MBB, the McKinsey, BCG, Bay, right? So uh, I think that's how it helps. Uh, so again, just to summarize three three points I called out. Number one is that transferable skills. Number two is uh, uh, having access to this network. And number three is obviously there's a certain amount of the, a brand name or whatever, a, a regard or a respect for, for people who have come from, uh, specifically from top tier consulting from uh, AKA MBB. Thanks, Aditya. Building on that, what are the most challenging aspects of working in a management consulting and how did you navigate them? I think this answer would be the most cliched answer that you would hear, uh, but it's essentially what's called as work-life balance. Uh, I think consulting is a tough job. Uh, it requires a lot of traveling. Uh, it requires uh, pretty uh, pretty late hours as well. Uh, there are very tight deadlines and everything. Clients can be really, really demanding because obviously they're paying the, the top dollar, right? So yeah, work-life balance can be really, really... Um, yeah, painful. How to navigate this? I think uh, I think there are there are two. Uh, let's break it down into two. I think one is uh, external and one is second is internal. I think let's talk about external ones first. I think uh, it would be good to sort of set clear expectations uh, with your client, with your sort of uh, managers or leaders or whatever, right? And yeah, and client at the same time. So set very clear boundaries, very clear expectations. There's something that we used to follow at BCG called team norms, which I used to find it very very helpful where everybody in the team would essentially call out like whatever what are their preferred mode of communication what are some of the time that they would like to block like somebody wants to go to gym or somebody's learning a third language or somebody's pursuing a hobby class or whatever so they would like they would uh, do the time block let's say from 7 p.m to 9 p.m i would i'm in gym uh whatever right so people would basically put down these things as a, as part of the team norm so it's visible to everyone so nobody bothers you at that time and at the same time you have to like do it in a very disciplined way so i think that's the first piece which is external factors make sure expectations are set clearly make sure that it's communicated very well make sure it's agreed as a as some kind of a team norm and the second piece is the internal part which is whether within your family i think you need to make sure that uh, before you jump into consulting uh if you are like uh if you're married and you have like a spouse or children have a very clear discussion with them that, okay, look, this is going to be demanding. I may not be able to like spend all the time and then this and that. And would you be okay if let's say I put down like two, three years or two or three or whatever, five years of my career as, as the, in consulting, right? When I started, obviously at that time, um, uh, we were expecting uh, my son, Vihan. And uh, me and my wife had a, had a long chat about it. And uh, then we both agreed that yes, I should take the plunge into into consult, and then yeah, and then rest is uh, obviously history. You need to be very clear of the external and internal factors, and uh, you need to kind of manage them in a way that um, uh, it's not uh, painful afterwards. Thank you so much, Aditya. You have already talked about networking. So can you please elaborate uh, how important are the mentorship and networking in management consulting and uh, what advices do you have for effectively building these relationships? I think... See, mentorship is something that that would, yeah, I think mentorship is very important and I think one should definitely seek a mentor. Uh, I think the, so let's break it down again, what and let's say the how, right? I think the, so from, from a what point of view, I think the what kind of mentorship that should you seek, I think again, I would say that depends a bit on what stage of, uh, of uh, management consulting are you in? Are you joining as an entry level? Are you joining as a, at a mid level? Are you joining at a senior level? And hence, uh, again, I assume your users will be more towards the younger side so let's say if you are entering fresh or like at a, at a sort of early to mid level i think the uh the mentors that you should seek are the ones who can give you um 
good advice in terms of how to uh, develop your skill set because at, the, at that stage i think it would be more about uh, developing the skill set so how do how do can you develop the skill set how to make yourself mentally more resilient in order to cope up with the pressures uh, of the so it would be how to navigate uh, this whole um, space right because it's not easy as i said it's very demanding and all so how to navigate and even i i i got some really good tips with one of my um, uh, my mentors uh, that in terms of how to navigate this whole space right and he gave me some really really um, uh, good advice there so i think a very very important mentorship and again as i said the what part me be very very clear uh, depending on what stage of career career you are uh, career stage you are at in consulting don't only tools but also look for coaches right and there is a very a clear difference between mentor and coach which people need to understand see mentorship is more about like uh, mentorship the the real definition of mentorship is almost like a friend's philosopher guide right and they can talk about they can they can build like that kind of resilience in you give you show you the big picture show you like say the a career spanning 10 20 30 years but a coach is like here and now imagine a football coach or a cricket coach they basically of a job right and i think don't underestimate the importance of coaches because uh, you will need a lot uh, of coaching if you want to like do a massive data analysis or if you want to like do an insight generation exercise or if you want to do like synthesize that like, massive massive amount of uh, material uh, expert interviews etc you would need help right and that's where the on job coaches become super super important so don't underestimate uh, the importance of um, of coaches uh, over mentors mentors are great to have but i would say i would actually say that at this stage of the career specifically at the early stage of the career the coaches are much much bigger much play a much bigger role than uh, than mentors right so that's just to kind of make that distinction now coming to the how part of it and to test upon networking as well i think i think that from for me the from a how part i think it has to be someone who inspires you right you can't just randomly go to someone and say hey i, I would like you to mentor me i think you need to be inspired by someone to be able to go and say that hey look i really would like to uh, learn from you because of what you've done Uh, and what you do and how you do really inspires me and hence i would like to kind of uh, learn from you and so on and so forth the first requirement is obviously uh, being inspired by someone and you really think that because otherwise that relationship will become very transactional uh, mentorship again for you to be a good mentee uh, you need to invest in that relationship i have seen many instances where people say i want mentorship i want mentorship they come in first session two session after that they just lose teeth the best ones who have continued with me for a good 3 4 5 years are the ones who actually uh, who are really inspired and they want to do something uh, unlike the people who are just looking for mentors because someone told them that they look uh, getting mentor is going to really help but they are not like they are not inspired really so I think it really needs to come from within, and don't go to a mentor uh, unless you're really inspired by the person. Because mentorship and the mentor-mentee relationship is not a not a like the easiest one. It it would require some effort on both sides to get the kind of have a fruitful outcome. Coming specifically to the networking part of it, I think networking you will have many opportunities uh, at a consult firm uh, to to network. You will have they do a lot of events. Uh, there's always like uh, office parties and this and that, and you will always have good chances. And then often on top of it they do uh, they do assign like specific uh, career advisors etc who are like almost like your your mentors uh, so to speak who can guide you without any any kind of bias or any prejudice at least bcg used to have this uh, career um, cdas career development advisors or something uh, who would give really, really really good advice and you can always go to them uh, for like any any kind of direction that you that you seek so they do provide good networking opportunities but and there'll be formal and informal opportunities for you to uh, to basically look for uh, mentors as well as network
Thank you so much, Adit. That's a great advice, and I'm sure that audience uh, will keep this in mind. You had mentioned about the work-life balance is the one of the challenges that you face in this work. So I would like to ask, uh, how did you manage a work-life balance, and what advice would you give to others in this regards? Yeah, so I think as I touched upon, I think there are these these external internal factors as I call them, right? So I think uh, external factors, which is about managing the expectations, keeping the right boundaries, having the right team norms, so that everybody is aware that these are times are protected and nobody should nobody would bother you during those the, the, the that period. I think that's the only way. Uh, again, the the keep the keep the scope tight. If you are at a slightly senior leadership position, keep the scope tight. Don't let what is called scope creep uh, creep into your life. Uh, make sure that the scopes are very very clear very defined tighter the tighter the clearer your scopes are defined the lesser problem that you will have with the client and with your partners and everything so i think that's my only advice uh, in terms of managing the work life balance there is no other way just make sure that everybody's super clear on the scope and there are no scope creeps uh, thank you aditya for being so open about this and sharing your perspective uh, so based on your experience um, coming to the emerging trends so what are the emerging trends and technological advancement in the management consulting should the aspiring consultant be aware of so there are two big changes that or maybe three big changes that have happened over past 10 to 20 years in management consulting right so so number one is uh, a lot of consulting firms have moved from a, a fixed compensation model to a fixed plus variable compensation model because one of the key challenges that they faced was that uh, uh, the clients used to say that, oh, this is all theory and concept and you're not actually implementing uh, anything. So it's all strategy, but no execution, right? So can consult companies basically uh, said, okay, no problem. We will actually do implementation, but then guess what? We will charge a charge a percentage of the benefit that, that, the, the com- that the client would get, right? So the compensation model moved from a fixed compensation model to a fixed plus variable compensation model. And that actually really helped some of the consult companies who kind of uh, uh, did a, a fantastic job at implementation, right? Because then their variable, variable compensations went up. So that's the first big change that happened. The second big change that happened is the composition of the of a typical consulting uh, consulting team, like a project team, you would call it. In consulting, you will call it the case team. So a typical case team or a project team, the composition has changed substantially. So past, if you go back 15, 20 years back, it used to be what is called one plus two, which is one would be a project leader and would then have like two consultants or two associate consultants, etc. under him or her. And then there would be some uh, advisors here and there uh, who would essentially help you out in terms of uh, inputs, etc. That used to be the sort of the model 10 to 15 years back today thanks to um, a lot of different things that i'll talk about it that whole model is completely changed right so today our typical team comprises of obviously one project leader a couple of associate consultants and then there are data teams and then there are like a sort of uh, depending on the project but you can have uh, people who are who be in ai and, and then machine, uh, machine learning and what, what have you right so uh, you will have somebody from that kind of data come um, like ai ai machine learning kind of space right who can help design let's say different modules and robotic process automation and, and, and different kind of tools, uh, etc., which you can then leverage uh, to solve very complicated problems at, at client, right? So I think, yeah, I would say that this is potentially the big change. And then there's one more aspect, which is that the expert network. So there are many of these services, which are like the GLGs and the, 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 the links and the, whatever, the dialecticas of the world where um, they provide access to uh, expert network whom you can tap into and 10, 15, 20 years back where it was not as prevalent at, as it is today, right? So you can tap into this expert network and be able to ramp up uh, on, a, on a project is very, 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 very uh, easy and very, very fast, right? So I think that's a second big change. And a third big change is that consulting companies used to operate um, 
like a bit away from the IT, uh, right? And it used to be more management consulting. But I think now they are going more and more into the space where they're saying, uh, and specifically, I think it started because a lot of clients were asking for digital transformations, right? And that's why uh, now they have separate uh, who deal with the ID architectures and the data lakes and, and so on and so forth, who can essentially advise clients on, okay, how to completely change your digital architecture if, let's say, you want to become a, a digital first or a more sort of um, digitally transformed organization, right? And I think uh, from a BCG, where just um, what I understand better is that they have a team called Platinian, right? And uh, I think now they call it BCGX or something, but basically they set up the full Platinian team, uh, which essentially can advise on all these different things, right? So I think these are the three big changes that have happened. Now, what it means for for your for your listeners, I think number one is that um, first, just being aware that okay, that's how it has transformed, and you can't be kind of kind can't be in a sort of an IT um, or illiterate for that matter, right? You need to understand the language because uh, you will have to as a project leader or as you become a partner you have to speak that language so you can't just be a management consultant and not understand let's say what a python or an sql and these kind of things are but that's the first the second piece is that how to effectively leverage them if you become a project leader or principal or partner or whatever you need to be able to leverage some of these guys so you need to speak their language like you need to understand like how they process the data or how do they do whatever xyz that they need to do right you need to understand them so that the, a bit of a generalist skill set is also required in order for you to be able to converse with them, understand them, uh, leverage them, and then uh, give the best solution for the client. And I think the the the, the last piece is that uh, to be able to manage this multi-stakeholder sort of uh, space, really, I think that's uh, that's a skill that you will have to to develop. Earlier, the number of stakeholders in a typical project used to be much much less, versus now with these sort of mega projects, right, wherein they are going for digital transformation, IT architecture is being changed, and multiple stakeholders involved, multiple partners internally, multiple stakeholders externally. Uh, that is a that is a massive massive change. And there are some opportunities that come out of it. So I think with the data whole data space kind of uh, opening up, there are these entry level opportunities as data analyst or data uh, engineer, etc. etc that uh, consulting companies have started to open earlier that 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 did not uh that did not exist and i think i know that for uh, bcg they do have base in in gurgaon and Gurgaon and uh and uh, Bengaluru, right so again new opportunities are opening up similarly for people who are in the right architecture etc there are opportunities in uh, bcg platinum or now potentially bcgx which earlier weren't were not there right so i think a lot of new opportunities are opening up but i would say these are the three biggest changes that have happened and then obviously the consequences is that people need to be a bit more aware, understand, uh, understanding, uh, know, uh, know, should know the skill set, etc. And then obviously there are opportunities in terms of people being uh, can apply for the, the jobs in, in those uh, divisions. Thank you, Aditya, for those invaluable insights. We got to learn so much from this talk. Now, moving forward, could you please share with us what your typical day looks like? Any interesting stories you would like to share? You mean from management consulting days or you mean from today? Uh, management consulting days. I don't know if I have any interesting stories to share, but I think my typical day, my typical day would essentially depend on whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Maybe let me define a typical week rather than a, a typical uh, day. Sure. Monday, I, uh, so the projects that I work, used to work on, uh, I think uh, Monday, first flight out to, let's say there are projects that I was doing in Indonesia, uh, Monday, first flight out from Singapore to Indonesia, then uh, probably would have like a few meetings, um, uh, uh, let's say in the early afternoon, and uh, then uh, 
obviously uh, the, the, the my whole team will essentially fly from different parts of southeast asia to indonesia right so most of the time we will meet at airport and then like we we'll, we will go in the in the same car from airport to uh, the client uh, client office or or wherever you have to go somewhere in the market etc all the planning and everything and uh, like setting up the the targets for the for the week etc etc will all happen in that car and then we'll reach the client's client office etc there would typically be a few meetings i uh, would we'll be talking either like we'll be presenting something to the client or maybe there'll be a weekly touch point etc etc and then after that uh, we would uh, yeah we would then uh, like uh, look take a stocks of uh, how the progress is along with along with the client and then uh, obviously then there'll be like individual catch ups with the team members uh, or maybe with some of the other client team members etc and then by end of day we typically do a, like a quick wrap up uh, where let's say the team would essentially uh, tell some of the progresses that they have uh, progress that they have made during the during the day and then uh, that's when we would close like the the business day and if let's say we are um, we are outside uh, our home office for example like the, the example i gave which is we were in indonesia and the team would uh, go for dinner together and probably at about about 9 o'clock we would call it a day and then the teams would go back to their uh, hotels rooms or wherever they are staying and potentially close out uh, any any remaining uh, rem- remainder of work and uh, for me i would i would also go back to my hotel room and i'll probably talk to my family and then i also i would like to i would spend like about 2 hours in the night just to sort of close out any any remainder points right so then that would be like a typical monday then monday tuesday wednesday you would stay at the at, at the client uh, the location in the sense that like in, if i in indonesia i'll be staying in indonesia for monday tuesday wednesday and then thursday we would obviously pack up and uh, thursday we will uh, we will catch out we'll catch the the evening flight back to your home home office and then friday will be a, a day in your home office for me in this case in singapore right so uh, that's what a typical week would look like and uh, yeah and again it depends a bit in terms of what kind of project it is if it is an implementation project you may also have to go to our respective client site in some case you have to go to factories in case some cases you have to go to the, the uh in, so i did a lot of retail work so we used to go to the retail stores and so on and so forth uh, so it really depends a bit on what kind of project you are in thank you so much aditya that looks like uh, a day full of challenges and opportunities mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing this so we would no conclude the episode uh by uh three favorite book recommendation of yours and also the people who inspire you the most in this space yeah sure i'm not a very book uh, big book reader to be very honest uh, but i think a couple of books which uh, which i really like and sometimes i i enjoy reading uh, actually the first book would be uh, from peter thiel 0 uh, to 1 so i uh, from and this is again more from a tech point of view where, so if you are interested in a tech career eventually I highly recommend uh, Peter Thiel's uh, zero zero to one. And uh, the other book that I would recommend uh, is basically um, yeah, I think the the other book that I would recommend is probably the the Growth Handbook. Uh, it's uh, I forgot the 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 name of the writer, uh, but it's a it's a book called the Handbook of Growth or Growth Handbook or something. I think that's a book which I uh, in my current job where I have to like grow different markets, etc. So many times I go back and refer that book or uh, for like tips and tricks on how to how to do things more effectively. Yeah, as I said, I'm not a big reader. I I typically am a more of a more of a like Harvard management review kind of hbr uh, articles etc i i did them more than and then and then books uh, but yeah so if you have to ask me to recommend these other two books i would recommend i think uh, i don't have any specific person from whom i take a lot of inspiration but i believe that inspiration can come from anyone right so i think uh, 
I take a lot of inspiration from my my parents. Uh, uh, again, my friends, they're my family. Is everyone everyone inspires you in a certain way? Uh, some of my early batchmates uh, when I started my journey at uh, at HUL Hindustan Unilever Limited, I think uh, some of those batchmates were really really inspirational in that sense. Uh, the one of my uh, one of my batchmate uh, actually. Uh, even though he came from an engineering ID Kharagpur background, but he he knew a lot about uh, like the economics, et cetera, et cetera. So it was very inspiring in that phase where I I was uh, Ike was coming out of uh, 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 let's say a more engineering led program where some of these uh, electives were not there, uh, but ID Kharagpur does provide that those kind of electives. So for me, he was very inspirational during those uh, those formative years where I learned a lot from him. Then after that, again during Unilever journey, I met a lot of senior the senior leadership uh, uh, and who inspired me in different way. Uh, our HUL's uh, ex CEO, uh, Mr. Nirvitin Pranjpe, I, I I get massive inspiration from him. Uh, the way he used to lead teams, the way he would always uh, have a have a have a very strong strategic coherence, have a very good sense of fifty thousand feet view as well as minus fifty feet into the ground. So I think uh, it was absolutely inspiring. HUL uh, in two thousand eight, post the post the crisis, financial crisis, etc. Majority of the companies kind of went through a tough time. How he sailed through uh, sailed through that particular phase and how he uh, completely turned around the organization. I think that was very very inspirational. I learned a lot from him. Uh, then I, uh, even in my global roles at Unilever, again, I've had some amazing line managers uh, who inspired me in, in different forms, amazing team members who inspired me in different shape and form. At BCG, again, you have the creme de la creme of, of people, people who are coming in from top B schools or going to top B schools, amazing, uh, amazingly sharp people. Again, they inspire you in, in different ways. And even in my current tech startup, I mean, you have people who inspire you. Uh, in in different ways, so I I can't pinpoint one specific person who is insp- who inspires me, but I think inspiration can come from anyone, and I take inspiration from many many people, uh, yeah, in and around uh, around my 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 ecosystem. Thank you so much, Aditya, for sharing all those wonderful insights with us. We are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episode. Thanks, Oer. Thank you. Bye bye.